Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State. I'm Ben Felder with The Oklahoman. Joining me here in The Oklahoman studios, Dale Denwalt, Capitol reporter, and Chris Castile, who's been up to his neck in election coverage for several months now, right? Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, and we, uh, speaking of those elections, <laughs> we are now less than two weeks away, about 10 or 11 days, something like that, away from the uh, big primary, which is going to uh, set the table for November elections, or for uh, what we expect will be quite a bit of uh, runoff races. Uh, later this summer in August. We're going to talk about those elections. We're also going to talk about uh, some news out of the state Supreme Court this year, um, some state questions that are coming to the ballot uh, this month and, and in the future. But let's start with those elections and let's start with the top of the ticket, really. That's the governor's race. We've talked about that a lot over the last few months. I mean, this is the home stretch. And I'm curious, um, what is it that the candidates, particularly the big three, so Lamb, Cornette, did? I mean, we've have consistently kind of agreed that those are really the three that are in the running. Um, and one of them is going to be on the outside looking in. But what are, what's the focus for these candidates as they're trying to appeal to last-minute voters? Quite a few of, who have been undecided, at least according to polls, right? I, I think you, 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 have to do, you have to keep doing what, you, what you've been doing, which is you know, uh, appealing to all of the conservative instincts of voters. You know, that we know for sure who these voters are. They're, for the most part, Trump supporters, um, which I mean, we could probably argue all day whether that makes them conservatives or not. You know, it's sort of hard to figure out what a Republican or conservative is in the era of Trump. But you know, I, I, I think that for the most part, except for one, they're anti-tax. They've got to get that message through. You look on all their commercials, and it's proven conservative, mm-hmm. conservative Republican. That's the you know the image they're just like hammering hammering into, uh, trying to hammer into this primary electorate. We've talked about it you know, many times before. It's a very conservative electorate. You can't think of a Republican primary in terms of what, what you might think of the entire state electorate. It's who turns out on that day. They're conservative Republicans for the most part. That's why they keep trying to appeal to that. They're on the air almost to saturation point. They're still hitting a lot of, you know, kind of meet and greet type things where they raise mm-hmm. money. And so they're they're still doing what they've been doing for a year, actually, just with more TV. Yeah, you get to feel. Do you feel like this is really an issue-based campaign, or is this kind of a conservative beauty contest still? At this I, point? We've tried to make it an issue-based campaign. I mean, I that's that's mainly what mm-hmm. what I've been trying to cover is is the issues on this, and they've done a ton of forums, you know, and they, and and it is an issue. Those are issues. Those mm-hmm. are about issues, you know, the same ones over and over for the most part. You know, taxes and the budget. I mean, they. They've spent a lot of time answering for things that the legislature did, which, you, you know, they they can quite easily say, well, "I'll do better." Yeah. You know, but I think it, the biggest issue has been education and the budget mess at the chaos, uh, the ca- budget chaos at the Capitol. That's the recurring thing. Every single forum features a question about you know the budget. Yeah, but you said most of those questions have been, "What would you have done?" Right. And not so much forward looking. I mean, I know you're asking those questions, and others are, but. Um, and we've said this before in previous episodes. In a way, the legislature did these candidates a favor, you know, by passing that tax agreement. They don't really have to legitimately ask whether or not they would raise taxes in the future. I mean, they've been asked those questions, but there's not an expectation that that's going to be on the table. I mean, these the tax hikes that we've seen, um, you know, have raised the bar even more that we would see. You know, right, Dale? I mean, that's essentially you yeah. got the capital that uh, we're probably not going to be talking about tax increases next legislative session barring some kind of disaster. And if anything, we will see a shift toward uh, some of the, the more traditional uh, Republican and conservative talking points about uh, you know auditing uh, what's going on, uh, fiscal conservatism. Um, the, the pendulum swings both ways, and I think it's going to swing pretty hard the other way um, next year and uh, the years to come. Yeah. So, I, I mean, 
I don't know how much we, I mean, we have, we've reported some a little bit about polls and, you know, those are always kind of a, you know, a, a tricky subject depending on what polls you're relying on. The candidates have their own polls and sometimes they leak that information out. But, uh, I mean, Chris, what's your sense on kind of what this horse race looks like right now? I mean, is, is Lamb still kind of in, in the lead with, with followed by Cornette and Stitt? Do you have any sense that there's been any kind of movement in that kind of perceived I, I, I think I think it's a little bit fluid among those three, you know. I mean, it, I have heard about internals in the last few weeks and the polls that the mm. candidates do themselves. And, it, it, you know, they can, they can change from week to week and who's in first, but it – and, and who's you know battling out for that second spot in the runoff, and it's it assuredly will be a runoff uh, in, in this GOP gubernatorial primary. There, any of the three could wind up. I, you know, it, you've got all this undecided to break. And you know what? What one um, campaign was telling me was that well, you know, Lamb and of the undecideds, Lamb and Cornette have high favorables. You know, so all the undecided will break. That, you know, to one or the other. But I have a hard time with that, actually. I think a lot of that undecided is going to break towards Stitt as well. Well, and that, that I was kind of surprised to hear you say that. I mean, to say that, that they were saying that, that Lamb and Cornette, because, um, you know, if you're, I mean, Cornette and Lamb are kind of known names. I, more yeah. known, I mean, Lamb more yeah. known than Cornette, you know, statewide, but these are still kind of somewhat household names if you're watching politics. And Stitt is kind of the newcomer. And so if you can't decide between the two kind of more prominent names, it seems like Stitt. I, and, I, and you know, you know what's odd about and the other thing that's odd about it is that I, I, I actually can't see if you are, like, worried about issues or if you're, you know, worried about where these guys are on things. You know, for the most part, they're, they're, they're pretty aligned on traditional, mm -hmm. like, guns. They both say the same thing on guns. And uh, Medicaid expansion, which is a story I'm working on. But... Cornette has left himself a lot more open on taxes. You know, he's a lot. He and, and nobody really knows where he is on some of this budget stuff. And I think that's by design. Mm -hmm. I think he is purposely not saying what what he would do in in, in, in certain things. So I I almost have a hard time believing that people could be torn because Lamb is so clear about where he is yeah. on everything. So I have a hard time believing that some you know well, I go with the clear guy or the unclear guy. I, I think Stitt is in the mix for a lot of people who are undecided. Really, mm -hmm. you know, I think. They'll, they'll also, but you could, you know, easily in this race wind up with somebody, you know, two two people in the runoff with, you know, twenty five percent of the vote. Yeah. You know, you, you've you've got ten candidates in the thing. I mean, Blake Cowboy Stevens, or you know, he might get two percent. You divide yeah. up all the rest of that. You know, divide up votes among ten candidates. You're probably going to wind up with uh, the top two people around, you know, twenty five, twenty three, or something. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, whoever, whoever advances on the runoff, assuming that there's going to be one, I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be several candidates on the outside looking in, obviously, that aren't going to make it. But of, of, these, of these three, um, and not to say that the other candidates, some of them don't feel like they have a legitimate shot or, or aren't trying as, as hard as they, as they can. But with these three, you're going to have somebody who's on the outside looking in that probably right today thinks, I could possibly be the next governor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're either one of those would, would be that case. And what's interesting to me is when the runoff happens, um, you know, you're focused on just two candidates, and the differences are pretty stark. To, you know, no matter how you organize it around, if you have Lamb versus Cornette, as you said, you know, you have Cornette who's been more of a moderate, and you have to imagine that Lamb is going to start to really hit him hard yeah, on some of those. The positions. runoff campaign will be entirely yeah. different than this has been. This has been yeah. a very positive campaign yeah. so far. It's really just 
bio stuff, you know, how here's how I'm, I'm trying to project myself, secret service agent, outsider, you know, successful mayor. It's, it, none of these guys have gone after the top three. Yeah. They, they do it, you know, they, they make little comments during forums and public appearances, but you, their references are not even by name, you mm -hmm. know, you just kind of have to know who they're talking about when they say it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it makes sense that once you get to runoff, you have two candidates, the intensity gets ratcheted up a little bit, maybe does go more negative. Um, but especially now, because you're right, you, you know, if you've got Stitt and Lamb, now you've got, you know, an outsider versus an inside. I mean, the, 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 the weakness of your candidate is going to be so glaring and it's going, it's going to be what these candidates are going to try to focus on, yeah. um, you know, in the run up to, to August. So when we get a runoff, who knows, maybe we'll be surprised, but uh, with so many candidates running. And once again, we're talking so much about the Republicans on the Democratic side. I mean, it just really isn't much of a story right now. I mean, Edmondson is a. Is kind of I think you know. I think Edmondson's campaign was probably deliberating maybe like two or three weeks ago. Do we do any TV? I mean, do we spend? Do we just hoard all the cash that that we've got? And they they have not bought any broadcast time that I've been able to find. So I think the decision they made was we're going to win this pretty easily. Don't need to spend any money to do it. You know, we'll just do a bunch of social media and the run up to it and. So it looks like you know they're pretty confident they'll win easily over former state senator Connie Johnson, who had almost no money. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, last week's episode, uh, and you weren't with us, but uh, Dale, Justin, and I, we and uh, Representative Emily Virgin was on the show, and we spent our time talking about non-gubernatorial races and just some of the ones that we thought were kind of the most interesting, particularly at the legislative level. Uh, I was just kind of curious, is there, I mean, you know you've kind of been focused on gubernatorial race, but you've been covering a lot of other races as well. Is there a House or a Senate seat that's also, you know, kind of high on your interesting to watch on election night? Only, only a couple of, uh, like, the open seats, just because... You know, there's so many candidates, or their candidate might be interesting for some reason or another. But I, I was talking to an incumbent Republican uh, last week who has, would seem to have his hands full. I think he's got four or five um, Republican primary opponents who's very confident he'll win without a runoff, which, um, and he's, he was an anti tax, you know, mm -hmm. he voted against the tax, uh, tax increase. Um, so that, I think that, you know, those, I think some of those races will be interesting to watch. You know, not, not only the ones who voted against it, but then the, you know, whatever leadership people have primaries yep. too. you know, I mean, it, most of these people probably emerge fairly unscathed in these uh, primaries, but if any incumbents get pushed into a runoff, those are going to be interesting races uh, between in, in July and August, those will be interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, traditionally incumbency is powerful. I mean, the incumbent usually wins re-election. Um, you know, this year, some people wondered if that would be the case because of a lot of voter frustration from the legislature. And, and maybe that does translate into some incumbents losing. But at the same time, we've also seen a lot of incumbents just not run, right, Dale? I mean, this is kind of, we're yeah. going to see you know, a lot of races where we saw some kind of surprise announcements over the last several months. That's right. I forget the total number, but uh, it really is surprising when you go back and look at how many uh, from this last legislature aren't coming back next year, even, even though they could, uh, even though they still have time left on their term limits. And I think it's entirely possible that uh, they sat down with a consultant um, and saw that maybe the numbers didn't look great, uh, maybe they were losing some support uh, from donors, and that that may have uh, figured uh, into their decision not to seek re-election. Um, for, I think for several, it's probably not the only reason. Um, I think the frustration of it all and the fact that uh, a lot of them were are, uh, are young adults, quite frankly, who have young kids at home. and, and I know that could probably be a hassle for someone who has to be at the Capitol, you know, six days a week, uh, trying to figure out a budget. Um, and so it's, I, th I think that their re-election chances probably 
played some role uh, for some of them, uh, played some role in their decision not to come back. Yeah. Well, and we're going to see so many. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about you know next year as we get closer to next year, with the primaries to worry about, and then the general. But either way, there's going to be a lot of new faces. We're going to see a new governor. We're going to see a lot of other new positions, a new you know a lot of changeover in the legislature. And even if the balance of power doesn't change, which it's probably not going to, I mean, even if Republicans continue to have their their wide majority in the House and the Senate, and there's a Republican in the governor's mansion, um, that still doesn't mean that it's going to be you know business as usual next year. I mean, we've seen in recent years that even within the Republican Party, there can be lots of different disagreements in the direction that things go. So, I mean, one way or another, uh, there's going to be quite a bit of change in, uh, in 2019. And uh, Speaker McCall has frequently said that he, he does what his caucus wants to do. And with so many new faces, uh, it could change the, the outcome of well, what a uh, uh, GOP House policy looks like going mm -hmm. into next session. Yeah. Well, one of the issues that a lot of candidates have been having to answer is the education. As you mentioned, Chris, uh, particularly uh, the teacher pay raises that are being funded by a series of tax hikes, which are being challenged. And we saw some uh, news out of the state Supreme Court. Was it this week? Man, was it, it seems like forever ago. Was it early this week? Uh, the oral arguments were, or, or, were but I mean, When they heard, yeah, right. Monday. That sounds, yeah, it seems we're like sitting for, here waiting, yeah, forever yeah. ago. Uh, Wait for a decision from them on this petition. So we don't know the decision at this moment, but give us a recap of, of what we saw on Monday. I was going to say, for, yeah, I, I, I will. First, I was going to you know, say when you're talking about races oh, yeah, to watch, is all the teachers that filed. Yeah, and that'll yeah. be something to watch in the in this in this round of primaries. There's so there's there's multiple teachers in some races. There are multiple mm -hmm. teachers in some primaries. You know, there are teachers running against teachers. So I think you know if we could get a good handle on that in the days afterwards maybe how many teachers yeah. emerged from that first round at least I think that'll, that'll yeah the counts are you, there's about 50 like current or like most recently of this last year teachers and almost a hundred that have some kind of connection whether to education whether they're a principal or used to be or you know maybe retired 10 years ago but you're right it should be almost a quarter of the yeah. legislative candidates that filed yeah they were like 460 or something yeah that filed for the legislature and so much in 2016 um, there was a lot of folks Focus on the so-called teachers caucus, and there there were 32 candidates that were running that were you know teachers or had just recently left the teaching profession. Um, I, only one or two, I think it was two, were successful in that race. Um, so a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are running as Democrats, so they have that challenge, especially if they're running in a red district. Um, and a lot of them are new. I mean, right. so it's very hard. But in this, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the playing field is a little bit more even in some of these races. If you had the incumbent decide not to run again, if you have a lot of other new faces, uh, a lot of the intense focus on education. Um, I would say that the atmosphere, the climate is better for a lot of those uh, first-time candidates who are teachers this year than it was in 2016. You know, whether that leads to a wave of elected teachers will, remains to be seen. But uh, you're right, there are some races that have teachers running against teachers. Yeah, so. I think they're in that one that I did where it has 12 candidates yeah. on the Republican side. I think there are three teachers in that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it makes for makes for an interesting interesting campaign. So yeah, no, I appreciate so, yeah, you mentioning that back on the Supreme yeah. Court. Yeah, they um, uh, Oklahoma Taxpayers United is an anti-tax group that formed. There's backed by uh, former U.S. Senator Tom Coburn. They've been circulating a petition. They need 42,000 signatures. They want to get a statewide vote on repealing the tax package that was uh, that was approved by the legislature in late March, signed by the governor. It's some oil and gas production, you know, the GPT tax. Uh, motor fuels, cigarettes, and little cigars, and the original package included a new hotel, motel, you know, nightly stay tax that wound up being repealed in a separate bill. So two two challenges were filed to the petition itself, both by education groups, 
One to the, the use of the referendum process. It's a rarely, most of the time when a group goes out to get something on a statewide ballot, they use the initiative process. Mm -hmm. This is the referendum process, which is rarely used. It's only the 25th time it's ever been done in the state of Oklahoma. And it's, it's used primarily to repeal a law you know, that has been passed by the legislature. So the question is, can you use, what, what the question in this challenge is, can you use the referendum process to repeal taxes that fund a vital state operation? The tax package was, you know, connected to a teacher pay raise, even, you know, the teacher pay raise bill even refers to the, so that's the question. Because the referendum petition process has an exception in law, in the Constitution. You can't use it for something that's vital to the state's peace, health, and safety. Hmm public peace, health, and safety. Uh, professional uh, Oklahoma educators are arguing that education is vital to the states. So they're trying to convince the Supreme Court that you can't even use a referendum proce uh, petition process to repeal this tax package. I don't think the justices were really persuaded mm -hmm. by that. You know, one, the chief justice said, well, you know, education's not in the Constitution specifically in mm -hmm. reference to this referendum petition process and the teachers organization or the professional educators are, are trying to argue, well, you just carve it out. Carve it out as an exception. Hmm. And uh, that's not something yeah. that justices are, are inclined to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, to take a constitutional provision and basically write something into it, you know. So that's, uh, that was kind of the, the essence of that first challenge, you know, can you even use this process? Mm -hmm. The second one is, if you can use this process, is this petition good enough? Because it's, it doesn't mention two of the tax, the, the summary, what's called the gist of the petition that they're circulating. It only mentions the motor fuels, the cigarette tax, and the um, gross production tax. It doesn't even mention the change in little cigars, and it doesn't mention anything about the hotel motel, which is a confusing mess because they wound up yeah. repealing it. So it's not mentioned in the gist. So the question is, well, with somebody signing this petition, do they even know what they're signing? Do they even know what this bill is? Are you misrepresenting this bill? Um, by not including those. And the other requirement with a referendum petition is that you include an exact copy of the law that was passed. Exact. Well, the one that they attach to the petition for people to read if they're interested in reading the entire law doesn't have, like, page numbers of the... It doesn't have the section numbers of the, of the bill, 1010. So if you're, like, trying to refer to a different site, you can't find it, you know. Yeah. So it's not... It's They... The people circulating the petition admit the defects. Their position is they're not they're not fatal. Mm -hmm. You know, people still know what they're signing a petition for. Yeah. So the it, justices didn't <laughs> seem to buy that. The chief yeah. justice was like, you know, at, at best this thing is sloppy. Yeah. At worst, it's misleading. You know, and um, uh, deceptive. Yeah. And that's not a good sign for their side. No. Uh, for the uh, circulators, so the chief justice, and there were a lot of comments along those lines. The, the vice chief justice said. You know, we're trying to protect voters here. So it could happen that when the court rules, you know, maybe, you know, late this week, early next week, uh, I would think, that they'll get kind of a split decision that they'll say you can go forward, but you need to, you need to file an amended petition because this one's just too flawed. Uh -huh. Well, the, the clock doesn't change. They're under the same, they would be under the same deadline July 18th to gather 42,000 signatures on a new petition. So in essence, they'd have probably a, a little more than a month, about a month. File a new petition to repeal the tax bill and get 42,000 signatures. That'd be a tall order. 
Yeah, it's you know it's, it's this debate. It's almost like fighting over the you know Apple user agreement because <laughs> it's important. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but most people don't even pay attention to it. And regardless, I mean, as someone who's observed a lot of, I don't sign these petitions, um, you know, because of my job. But often, if I'm asked to sign a petition, I'll ask plenty of. I'm, all, I'm almost kind of the, the petition signature gatherer's worst nightmare because <laughs> I want to ask a lot of questions about what what it says about. I'm just kind of curious what they know, what they've been told. Because a lot of times these people are just being paid to do it. They're sure. Not, these are not like the advocates out there trying to get it. Right. Um, and so after like five minute conversation, I declined to sign. So, but, uh, um, <laughs> but most people, when you observe, you know, there's like a, a five second pitch, and they say yay or nay. And you know, and they sign just like with the Apple user group. You, just, you know, you say right. yes. But here we are. We're you know, it's important though to fight that. So this, what are the scenarios we could be looking at here, depending on how the the court rules and moving forward, particularly as we you know we get ready for this tax to be collected. Well, it could blow another huge bolt, uh, hole in the budget. You know, yeah. if you remember uh, last year, getting uh, close to about this time last year, the Supreme Court, in a very quick order. Uh, quickly after they heard the oral arguments, uh, rejected the cigarette tax mm -hmm. and blew it 200 and uh, uh, can't remember now, but over 200 million dollars out of the budget that uh, that you know the, the legislatures had to deal with and be in special session for, um, and I think it, it could very well do the same here. Um, you know, th this is earmarked money. Uh, it's not going to be uh, no. Their their legislature is going to have to come back and reappropriate a bunch of agencies because it's directly tied to the uh, to the teacher pay. Um, but uh, ultimately, what happens? I don't know, except for the fact that uh, they're going to there's going to be a lot of people who are who are upset that you know they're not going to have the money to to have the raise, the yeah. teacher pay raise. And that's the, I mean, there's some real-world implications for schools and districts, stuff like that, but, you know, we're talking about the politics yeah. on this show. I mean, I mean, you know, if, if you're a legislator running for office, you know, right now, a Republican lawmaker who just got done making a really tough vote in favor of the tax hikes, I mean, you're probably not wanting to come, you know, they're, they're probably all not wanting to come back for any reason <laughs> to, to the Capitol. But the idea of a special session um, to, you know, fill some kind of hole, uh, whether that means they have to come and, I don't, I don't know what the scenario would be. I mean, there's talk now that the budget's doing better. The revenue projections are up. I don't know if they would come back and try to say that we think we can float it. I don't, I don't know. It seems like there's it just seems like there's so many different scenarios that would go that just get complicated to, to, given the fact that we're in an election year, right? And and just to clarify, um, if if the Supreme Court rules that the petition can go ahead, can advance, um, I, I, the way I understand it, that would essentially freeze the money. Um, is that right? And it, it w wouldn't necessarily say that you know you can't spend. No, that's it all one time. of the, the the AG, the Attorney General's office, was asked to give mm -hmm. its own views of, the, of both of these challenges. And as a neutral party, they did so. And you know, they one of the things that they they said to the Supreme Court is, you need to clarify this question. <laughs> yeah. When when you rule on this, you need to tell people right now what the what effect the petition itself, as it's in this process, is going to have on teacher raises. Yeah. So we're still, and we're, so we're waiting to hear that. We're waiting answer. to hear that. Yeah. So that that should be one element of, uh, you know, if they let the process go forward, then they're going to have to say, you know, this 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 legally freezes that money for right now. Yeah, I have to imagine there's some candidates, particularly some candidates for governor, who have said they would not have signed that tax, but are hoping that it remains and survives. Probably. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my guess is that the, and it's just a guess. <laughs> That the majority of Oklahoma feels that way. You know, I would have a hard time if they got this on the ballot. I would think it would fail because I just don't even think that people want to mess with this anymore. I think they just want to be done with it. You know, let's 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 don't have another two years fighting over tax hikes, 
this, this one passed, governor signed it, let, you know, let's just live with it and move on. And you can't, and I think you... Because there would be a yeah. lot of, if, if, while that's on the ballot, imagine the, imagine the, the weeks of campaigning up until then yeah. of teachers and uh, educators and, uh, and other uh, of their support warning what would happen if it were repealed. And everybody's going, oh, gosh. Yeah. You know. And I don't think that we can just assume that the electorate, you know, a largely conservative electorate would just vote against taxes because they're anti-taxes. I mean, because, and I, I say that because, you know, I go back to 16, I mean, you know, there were some there were some kind of low hanging fruit, red meat for some conservatives when it came to religious, you know, Ten Commandments, and mm. you know, and then criminal justice, you know, and and voters seemed to take those things seriously and thought through it, and didn't just cast a vote. I mean, the religious or the Ten Commandments uh, state question failed, and um, I mean, so it wasn't like this. The, the, these red meat state questions didn't seem. And I'm characterizing that them as that, but weren't just gobbled up. I mean, the electorate seemed to really kind of think about these things, and I think it would be the same way with this. That you're and right, and that you had a, you know, you had a majority of Republicans in both houses approve that tax increase and a Republican governor sign it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, it's all the evidence you need that, uh, Republi that, that Republicans aren't uniformly against these, this yeah. tax package. They're the ones who approved it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's we have, their package. Yeah. And we have some, and we have some races that you've referenced too that'll be interesting. We have, you know, the pro-tax and anti-tax Republicans right. running against each other. Be exactly. Interesting how the, that, how those, that is going to be interesting. How, how that shakes out. Well, uh, before we wrap up, let's, uh, you know, we've got a state question coming up. Um, we also have another state question that's going to be coming up later. Dale, that was here. That's right. Uh, in November, Oklahoma's going to get the vote on whether they want to be able to visit the eye doctor inside uh, a store like Walmart or Target or the new Costco going up on the north side of town. Um, the uh, it's it's you wouldn't imagine that this, there would be a huge debate about it, but there is. Um, and the people who are against it are the uh, the optometrists in Oklahoma. Um, they're uh, right right now they're they're concerned that um, they could lose the integrity of the of the practices that they run. So if Walmart comes in and hires an optometrist mm -hmm. to work in their store. Um, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than going to a private practice um, and uh, and visiting with a doctor there. Um, the the people in support of this uh, uh, of this uh, state question say that it's going to be you know it's going to be the same service only it's going to be cheaper because um, there are certain ways that you can uh, build in cost cutting measures when you have a, a big box store mm -hmm. like that, uh, or you sign a, a contract with a a provider who's got you know a hundred uh, optometry clinics across the country, uh, and the uh, what I think the optometrists who are against state question 793, uh, they're worried about competition. Um, they're worried about uh, a, a Walmart uh, optician or optometrist selling services cheaper than they have traditionally in the past. Yeah, how much is I mean, Walmart and big box stores influence. There's been a lot of that in trying to shape law. I mean, the liquor laws. Yeah, and it, them. it's it's the same group, yeah. the same group that uh, that pushed for the modernization of Oklahoma's liquor laws. Uh, same group that's pushing state question 793. Yeah, well, maybe a year from now they'll be pushing for uh, doctors who can prescribe medical marijuana in Walmarts as well, depending on how the state <laughs> question goes here. <laughs> In a very, couple very weeks ago. Good. That's yeah. the only state question, right, on the ballot on the next yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. This one will be, you refer to as in November. That's right. The optometrist, but the medical marijuana. The only one um, on the June 26th ballot. we have any idea how we feel like that's going to go? I think it's going to pass. Same. Yeah. I think I think it, it may be close, but, um, and we've heard 
the uh, the opposition have uh, spent some money on ads. Uh, Chris, you were saying you haven't seen any ads. I don't watch TV, so I wouldn't know. Um, unless they start putting like uh, ads on YouTube or something. That's yeah, I haven't seen a single ad. They bought uh, the anti group has bought uh, like four hundred fifty thousand dollars, I think, worth of TV time. But maybe that's not hitting the right channel at the right time. Yeah. Does well, it, at this point, it may be a little too late. What we're think about who goes, who's going out to vote in this primary election. Uh, for the most part, it's going to be Republicans, right? Because you have more Republicans in office defending their seats than, than Democrats, right? Uh, it's probably safe to say that there are more Republicans. I haven't checked the numbers, but maybe more Republicans running for office than Democrats. Um, is, is there any uh, sway that you think that a conservative Republican electorate who is turning out more than the Democrats this election um, would sway the outcome of this vote? It's an absolute unknown. Everybody in every campaign is wondering the exact same thing. So it's hard to even poll it. Mm -hmm. right? Everybody is really wondering how, how this is going to affect. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and I think in general, since you have more Republicans, more Republicans vote, but you also have a lot of independents in this state. And it's a, you know, that category is trended. And those people, the independent voters can vote in the Democratic primary, and I think there'll be a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, there will be some people who come out just to vote for yeah. the state question. Um, and, but I think that's a great question because on paper you would think that that would make that would give it an uphill climb. That that you know you have a the, the most conservative conservative voters are coming out in large force for this primary. You know, you know a lot of religious conservative voters you know may be inclined to vote against it. At the same time, I've heard the argument made that you have an older electorate too, and that's a population that you know, always. Think, you know, Both of those things are true in the Republican yeah. primary. But there's, you know, the, the thought is that, you know, within a, a certain segment of the older popu elder population or older population, that medical marijuana is seen as a, as actually a, a viable tool in, in combating a variety of ailments. So how would you classify an anti-medical marijuana voter? What do they look like? <laughs> well, <laughs> an, an, an anti? Yeah. How, how, what did you say? James Langford. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. the head of the state chamber. I don't. I don't know what they look like, but I don't. I don't. I'm not sure you can you know, generalize about them. I mean, I think there are a lot of Republicans they're going to vote for. Well, you're, you're, yeah, I would. I would characterize it, if, you know, as a, as kind of a a younger conservative, uh, you know, evangelical that is only looking at this through, through in their eyes what they see as as a morality issue, um, not looking at the benefit or you know possible benefit. Uh, of men. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a younger person, you know, that's not necessarily suffering, and younger people suffer through ailments and stuff to where this could be beneficial as well, but uh, you may not be looking at through those guys, but if you're, you know, I'm not an expert in this topic, but I mean, if you're, if you're a potential customer, um, and I think there are plenty of, you know, you know, there's, there's not a partisan issue in terms of people who struggle with illness or, or disability right. or pain or whatever it may be. And uh, I mean, we've seen the cannabis oil <laughs> kind of explosion across Oklahoma. It's a little different, Hemp, but yeah, yeah I mean, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, if you just came to Oklahoma for the first time and looked at our our political stats, you may say, oh, this probably fails. Um, but you're, I mean, there's a lot of people that seem pretty optimistic. That there, it's so happen. many states have done it. Yeah. You know, what, what, I, I can't remember exactly what Oklahoma would be, what, 33rd or 34th state to, uh, or is it even more that already have medical? It's at least, at least half, medical. yeah, yeah, more. It's, yeah, it's well, in well, the more 30s now, yeah. or, or even, you know, close to 40 by now. So I think there have been a lot of, you know, kind of lab tests in other states for this. And we've got a border state that's, you know, full recreational, Colorado, and more states are going that. I mean, this is... A lot of people would say this is actually recreational, you know, uh, the, some of the opponents say this is actually, there's no really rules for this, anybody yeah. can get a prescription, smoke pot, or, you know, 
eat pot, eat marijuana. Yeah, well, and I'm not saying this endorsing or opposing this issue at all, but the argument that's been made that like, well, this is, you know, you could just go into your doctor and get a prescription really easy. I'm, I'm like, well, have you seen how we've been handling pills? I mean, you know, it's, yeah. this would not be the first treatment that, um, you know, I had an injury last year and felt like I needed some pain medication, and I was really worried that I was going to have to like, you know, be on the stand to try to get some medication from my doctor. I figured they'd be just very, you know, scrupulous, and, and it wasn't. I got three words out, and I got the prescription. Well, you were asking so it was very, Dale about, you know, are they going to have to come back into session, like, really quickly after, if this passes? Yeah, it, they have one month after, if it passes, to put regulations in place. Uh, the Department of Health is already working on some. One month? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but in, <laughs> one month after it passes, if it passes, they're going to have to start handing out uh, licenses to to businesses wanting to, to get into this industry. And you know, they're they're working on it. There's already drafts of legislation um, sort of tucked away in someone's uh, drawer at the Capitol. Um, but I don't know. One, one reason why I think that it probably has a, a fighting chance of winning, um, uh, the opposition can spend all the money in the world, and I don't think they're going to sway anyone who is voting uh, for it. Um, you know, they might get some undecideds, but I think for the most part, everyone who would be against this is already going to, going to the polls. Uh, it's already going to be there to vote. Um, and I think the, the medical marijuana campaign, uh, their strategy is to get people to the polls. So you feel like the anti thing could actually do themselves harm by just by blitzing that, I mean, because no, they, I, I, don't, are, I don't know. I mean, would, is that? I don't, I don't think they could do some harm. You know, they, they'll pick up a few points here and there uh, from the undecided who just haven't heard any opposition yet and would be tempted to sway because of it. Um, but I, I think if there's one place where the pro campaign uh, is would be in trouble is if they can't get people out to vote. Yeah. Um, there is. Uh, I, I think there are probably more people who. Uh, would support something like this who traditionally aren't voters. You know, young people, um, minorities, uh, especially in Oklahoma, um, when you, uh, those are people who tend to, to vote less than, uh, more progressive. than, yeah. than senior, uh, senior citizens who are white um, would, would tend to. So uh, I think the challenge for the pro-campaign is to actually get people to the polls, and that's what these last couple of weeks are really important for, is get out the vote campaigns. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and if it does pass, I mean, the clock starts. It's gonna, you know, th throws so it just throws another wrench into the legislature that uh, I'm sure you'll have fun covering. So yeah. we'll see what. See what I can't wait to like. get back. Yeah. So and no decision from the Supreme Court, but uh, the moment we do, uh, whether it's I guess it could be uh, they would they do something on this late on a Friday afternoon. I, I guess they I, could, or I don't know, early I mean, next I, week. I, but, I would uh, think it, yeah, that the time of the afternoon maybe you know. Sometime before five, I think it's probably still possible. But okay. early next week, I would think would be the latest thing to go. Well, either way, newsok.com is your place to go for the latest on that. If you're listening to this podcast later this weekend, check out the Oklahoman for any uh, potential results out of the state Supreme Court. Well, with Chris and Dale, I'm Ben with the Oklahoman. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back for another episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. See you next Friday.